Welcome to the Training Ground Guru podcast in association with Huddle. In every episode, we bring you insights into the teams behind the teams in professional football. Coming up on today's episode. The first thing I do is a simple training age assessment, both on the pitch and in the gym. An assessment of movement, an assess of competencies of exercises, and in the vast majority, I would be going, oh no, the training age is low. The mastery of exercises, which are hugely beneficial to performance, is low. The focus of training may be predominantly pitch-based, and it always should be a minority, gym-based or, or hall-based, or, but that was low. So that gave me the clue to, well, there's potential here in these players that have come with a low training age, but I'm going, wow, they could be so much better, so much further down the road if there was more athletic development. I'm Simon Austin, and our guest on today's episode of the Training Ground Guru podcast is Des Ryan. Des is a true world leader in the development of young athletes. He worked for Ireland Rugby for five years before joining Arsenal as Head of Sports Medicine and Athletic Development in 2013. Over the course of the next eight and a half years, Des played a key role in the development of strong young gunners, such as Bukayo Sacco. Now Des is the Director of Coaching and Performance for Satanta College. We hope you enjoy this episode, and if you do, please give us a follow via your podcast provider. Thanks very much for joining us on the podcast, Des. Thanks for saying hello. It'll be good to chat. Yeah, kind of you to, to check in. I think the first time I really heard of you, Des, was uh, we did an interview with Darcy Norman 2018, so five years ago. Um, and he said, look at Arsenal's academy. Des Ryan and his staff are doing a phenomenal job. He is an ex-rugby guy and gets the players lifting and strong. So that, that piqued my interest straight away. That was that was very kind of him. He's a good man, Darcy. We were we were lucky to have him visit Arsenal, and I was delighted I could check in with some of his experience. And yeah, he he liked what he saw, and I'm glad he he shared it. It's the players that were doing the lifting, not me. It's the players that were doing the speed, the integrated conditioning. Yeah, there's a good culture of athletic development in the club, and he enjoyed it, and he appreciates the benefits that come with it. Um, and is a realist as well that it's only one slice of the cake and the cake is very big so it's only one contributor he's he's appreciative of that but but a, a handy one an important one and the younger the better it'll help them in that challenging career wherever it may take them and how did that move come about Des because it's quite unusual I think for someone to come from rugby into football yeah and I'm I, I'm always an outsider so even my my community the main sport is Gaelic games I enjoyed that when I grew up that was the main option and then I started working in in Connacht rugby Irish rugby and I all I was always known as the Gaelic games person and then I went to to football and I was known as the rugby person and now I'm back in Ireland and I'm the I'm the soccer person so <laughs> I always seem to bring a tag of of which I enjoy um, someone from a different environment. But how it came about, sorry, uh, I did a few conferences, as I enjoy, over in, in the UK. And it was Graham Smith's conference, yeah. Uh, Return to performance. From pain to performance, it was. And a very clever man was there, Colin Lewin. 
and he heard me talk and present and he, he liked the topic and we chatted and then he asked me over to do a, a workshop and I, I enjoyed that. It was mind-blowing for me to see a Premier League training ground and I talked all things. My, I'm an academy specialist. That's what I love. That's what I do. I have worked at adult level. It was okay. I didn't, I didn't love it fully. Uh, but when I started educating, working with young people, yeah, I love that. So he's, I think he saw that in me, um, uh, did the workshop. But he drove, he's done a lot of very good things in, in Arsenal in his time. And he drove the introduction of athletic development and increase resources in it, in, in the academies. That led to a position. I, I applied, I interviewed. Liam Brady gave me a good, tough interview. Um, and it worked out well and it was scary for me yeah definitely uh, I remember driving in in a, in a higher car chinko chinko little tiny car and I'm I'm pretty tall into the training ground it stood out that's for sure it was red at least and it was it was daunting going into the training ground but a very welcoming place and straight away I was put at ease and yeah a very friendly people uh, reminded me of of my own community in the west of Ireland, very, very supportive, like lots of discussions, lots of chats. It's, it, yeah, it's his own ecosystem there. Really enjoyed it. And your title, certainly latterly, was Head of Sports Medicine and Athletic Development. That sounds like quite a broad remit. Yeah, cho a mouthful chosen by, by Gary O'Driscoll and Colin Lewin and Liam Brady. Apt, though, descriptive. It was... The full interdisciplinary team managing that in sports science, sports medicine. I was very cognizant, however, and especially with the EPPP rules that the medical people, it wasn't for me to tell them what to do. Um, prescriptions, obviously, not my profession, but people working together, um, getting people to work together in an interdisciplinary team, yes. But I'd be very respectful of the doctors, the physios, and it, it wouldn't be for me to tell them the technical specifics. But yeah, how we all got together and worked as a group and lead the department, that was my, my remit. And an enjoyable position. And I think an important position in, in all organisations. But in the academy, yeah, that person pulling everything together, linking in with the other departments. Someone with a bit of grey hair, a bit of experience in academy. Maybe in academies, people are more earlier career. Um, it's so important. It's so important dealing with the parents, the vast size of it. I always say to people, oh, first team, that's easy. There's only a few players, 20-something. There's only one management team. Academy, much more complex. Many teams, many parents, many players. Um, I jest a bit, but it's, some of it is true. Um, so, yeah, I think it's important to have experience in those uh, positions because of the complexity. And I think there's a perception in football that rugby is very different in terms of athletic development because it's very, very physical, uh, contact, combat. The, the guys are very big, they need to be big. And football, they feel, is very different in terms of the athletic requirements. Um, so was that something you encountered early on, that, that perception? Oh, and, and, and they're right. It is very different. And how I describe it is... Rugby would be like 70% physical importance, 30% technical, tactical. Football, total opposite. 30% uh, physical, 70% technical, tactical. It's a high-skilled game. So rugby is skilled, but football, wow, it's very high-skilled. 
very fine skills. So, but people need to have good endurance, especially in the top five leagues in Europe, especially Premier League. People need to be hugely explosive, fast, great game speed, change of direction, awareness of the game, what's in front of them. They're similar in certain positions in rugby, but a good practitioner, I think, and like myself, Gaelic games would be another sport I would have supported players in. The pitch is even bigger. The endurance demand is even greater. Um, I've worked in sports like cricket. I helped the India Cricket Academy. Uh, and I had to totally learn a new sport. I know history in, in cricket. But that's what a good practitioner should do. Study the demands of the game. Talk to coaches. Get an awareness. Watch footage. And then you're developing players physically. And speed is king. Movement, mobility, stability, strength, endurance. Yeah, they're similar, but the dial is turned up slightly in different sports, in different positions. It's fun uh, working in, in different sports, lovely challenge, but a good practitioner should be able to integrate easily. Coming back to Darcy, who if people don't know him, he was head of performance with, I think, Bayern Munich, the German national team, Roma, so got a very good pedigree. He said he thinks there's a bit of a misconception in football that people think gym work and lifting equals big, you're trying to get big. But he said that is, is a misconception. Is that something you encountered? That's, that's a fair comment by Darcy. And yeah, it's a misconception in, in all communities. There's a, a, a fear. Yeah, and I, just, I wish it was easy get big. That takes a lot of hard work, nutritionally, program, managing workloads. And yeah, some misconceptions is that, that strength equals a loss of range of motion. Strength equals a loss of speed. Strength equals bulk. And strength interferes in, in skills. No, not true. Not true. And if you look at Porrick Harrington in his prime when he won many majors in golf, now that's a fine skill sport. But he had strength levels above and beyond many uh, rugby players and soccer players. But it didn't interfere in his, in his fine skills of golf at the major level. Um if done appropriately with a proper program. Of course, like all profession, if you don't program well, it can uh, lose range of motion. If you don't program well and you don't complement with speed training, it can stagnate your speed. But with a good athletic development programming, it can help so much. Research would show the benefits and change of direction in soccer at academy level over long term, the huge benefits. Research would show the help, how it mitigates the risk of injury. Research would show even self-esteem, how it can help. And it's, it's linked, basically, I always go back to the World Health Organization's guidelines for physical activity in young people. They recommend strength. They recommend muscle strengthening and bone strengthening. It, it's, it, it helps so much. But because there may not be a... Certainly when I arrived in, in the UK, there may not be a large history of strength training, athletic development in football, in, in Europe even, um, there could be questions, hesitancy. And those questions get louder when you're asking 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds to do these activities. And I appreciate the, the questions and the concern. And there's parents' questions and there's coach questions, there's leadership questions. And it's up to the practitioner again to educate, show the research in a, in a user-friendly way show the development in an easy to digest way.
the gains in speed, the gains in movement, the outputs, how they increase on the pitch. And thankfully, they were the some of the things I could do in my position over nine years in the club with people like Ivan Gazidis, the board, the, the excellent academy managers I worked with. And yeah, it, it helped it flow. That's where I think my my role is as a head of department in, in that type of environment, uh, sharing the great work by the practitioners in the department. If you have good quality practitioners, that's a, another challenge to, to find them. But then people's memories usually go back, oh, a month, six weeks. What I try and do is show memories that go back with pictures, with videos, with, with injury audits, with fitness results, years, because it's a long-term project, anything, youth development. Do you think there's almost been a phobia of the gym or a scepticism of the gym in uh, football? I think it, it, it improved dramatically in the nine years that I was there. And there's some good work going on at academies and, and first teams. And the fact that it improved a lot, like the national team in England, what they implement shows that maybe previously there was hesitancy towards um, and and uh, yeah, there was there would be a hesitancy, and 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 how would I how would I describe that? Well, luckily enough, when I was in Arsenal and we got players from all over Europe, the first thing I do is a simple training age assessment, both on the pitch and in the gym, an assessment of movement, an assess of competencies of exercises, and in the vast majority. I would be going, oh, no, the training age is low. The mastery of exercises, which are hugely beneficial to performance, is low. The focus of training may be predominantly pitch-based, and it always should be a minority gym-based or, or hall-based, but that was low. So that gave me the clue to, well, there's potential here in these players that have come with a low training age, but I'm going, wow, they could be so much better, so much further down the road if there was more athletic development and and that's a i keep using athletic development and that was a a strategy of mine instead of saying strength conditioning strength conditioning sessions because of possibly those questions the sessions were called athletic development sessions as they should be for increasing athleticism and not all just about squat bench press push no run jump movement challenge mobility stability yeah, it was a broader curriculum. But yeah, I'd, I'd, it certainly improved dramatically and I, I don't want to offend anyone or, or upset anyone. Um, but I've, I've presented at a few conferences and given examples of it. I think there's, there's huge gains to be got from it. And I think we're seeing the gains in a lot of clubs in England that are producing excellent players, both technically, tactically and athletically. And... I think England is doing better than a lot of countries in that area of development. And that's very interesting what you were saying about training age. I know we spoke about that in a pre-chat we had, and I hadn't heard that phrase before. So what exactly does that mean? Well, me, in, in my simple terms, is I think it takes about four years to develop a player physically to cope with the demands of adult sport, professional adult sport. So if a young person, we had a, a level system in Arsenal. So when the players came, scholarship is the, the first entry into full time. The players were either level one, level two, level three or level four. 
And you could have a player coming from a, a country in the continent. And that player may have not done athletic development in their club in, in a major way. And they would be right at level one. So a low training age. You could have a young player coming up from Hale End who's been with us since nine. And they could be up at level three. And then the content is different. The exercise selection will be different. The emphasis will be different. And that young 16-year-old could be way further down the low road in training age compared to maybe an 18, 19-year-old player that arrived with us. So that's an important consideration in programming. And once a player has a training age in the gym, their mobility stability is good. That takes time. Fundamental movements are mastered at a very young age. They have good physical literacy. And then they develop strength and they get to a reasonable strength level, which doesn't have to be dramatic, 1.7 times body weight in a squat, for example. Then you can develop speed strength, strength speed, rate of force development. Now you can start doing more beneficial, more exciting exercises, more advanced exercises, but you couldn't do that with a player with a low training age. They have to learn how to do the technique. Things will go wrong if you progress them too fast. And it's important a good practitioner has that road, that journey. And I suppose we described it uh, and we published an article in Arsenal in the NSEA journal. And it started off at how well, yeah, so how well they can do movements. How well and how much is the next stage. Now get strong. How well, how much, how fast. Now you're working on powerful. And then elite level. So level four is right. Are they ready to even surpass the players on the first team are they doing real good quality individual work to get the best out of themselves are they informed in the program educated input into the program that's the real elite level and what we always wanted to do is is players arriving with the first team or going on loan at that level uh, managing themselves good understanding of what they should do should be technically able to train themselves if they needed to uh, that's the level four but level one yeah big difference just starting out on the journey would you and your team work with players on athletic development before that scholarship age as well oh yeah essential so so under nines and that was some of my most enjoyable sessions and one of the the good things with the the, the oh i hate to mention it but the uh, covid is I was based over two sites. We didn't want people traveling between two sites. So I chose the Hale End, which is a lovely environment. And I got to coach loads with the younger age groups. So under 12s would be my favorite, but I shouldn't pick favorites. Um, yeah, at those age groups, it's important they master fundamental movement skills. And even there's a phase before that, from birth to 15 months approximately, rudimentary movement patterns ideally are mastered. Just crawling, rolling, climbing, uh, separating upper and lower body, cross movement patterns. And yeah, they should be done. And they, they were done and fundamental movement skills were developed. And sometimes with ourselves for 15 minutes, sometimes with the coaches, sometimes it's a week with nothing. Priority is, is football. Um, then when they got to 12, okay, that's good mastery of fundamental movement skills and, and physical literacy maybe halfway through the year come on up to the gym okay learn how to behave in the gym learn how to how things should be tidied away how to spot how to conduct yourselves 
now you're getting older, okay? And we're only doing med balls and broom handles and that type work, but they're learning about the environment. 13s, 14s, with good paediatric athletic development coaches. Yeah, if your technique is good, if you've mastered the movement, now we can gradually load. We've full awareness of your maturation status. We've full awareness of how quickly you're growing. It's an interdisciplinary approach, so if we need to hold back, we can. But if we can push forward, we push forward. And, and yeah, then it goes on to 15-16s. And 15-16s, by the time I was, I was leaving Arsenal, they were doing programs very advanced. Uh, that should be the case. And that was helping them prepare for the big jump. There's the big jump from 16s to 18s. Uh, and there's the big jump from 20s to adult. So as much help as possible is needed for those, those transitions. I, something I've heard myself when I've played sport when I was younger and also that I hear now is that gym work can hamper growth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Again, which is a bit of a, a, well, old wives' tale, you could say. Is that a realistic concern? Oh, uh, no concern at all. Right. Nothing to, to show that, nothing, no research, no even decent case studies, no decent anecdotal evidence. It's a little, one of those old wives' tales. And it's grown legs and it's got long legs. And even when I think before I, I went over to England, there was a good, good, nice man, a doctor, who wrote an article in the newspaper that young people shouldn't be doing it because of what things like what you mentioned. And it's up to me to, to share with people information and let them make up their own mind. So I picked up the phone, I chatted to him, and I sent him the UKCA position statement of resistance training for the children, the NSEA position statement, the Australia strength conditioning position statement, the basis, the British Association of Sports and Exercise Science, and all other relevant research and going, look, there's the World Health Organization saying we should do it and not highlighting any negative effects, only positive. And that slowly, without being condescending and, and picking what you share so it's digestible, surely, slowly evolves that thinking and it's out there um, but it's less and there's a lot more informed people out there and where I am now with, in, in Ireland we're supporting many schools schools have seen the benefit understand the benefit there's athletic development going on there clubs who are like volunteer clubs they want this athletic development so there's a change thankfully and and it's and the young people really enjoy it they feel like they're they're doing a more mature program they're gonna you have to manage their expectations then the young people want to get buff or inch as they say in london <laughs> and yeah you have to go through that education of the journey how well mm. then how well and how much then how well how much how fast so you have to you have to slow down young people you have to ease the worries of parents and, and, and other people in the community. It's all part of youth athletic development, an important part. Our podcast sponsor, Huddle, can help change the way you see the game. More than 35,000 football teams across the world use their pro suite tools to combine video and data into powerful insights and winning strategies via one connected platform. Huddle also offers consultancy services for high-performance sport with world-class experience and expertise in data management, 
player recruitment and head coach search. For more information, go to huddle.com forward slash TGG podcast. When a player gets to kind of the later stages of the youth development phase, like you say, 15, 16, about to go into the professional development phase, what would their athletic development programme look like in a week, just, just to give an idea? It's all about the whole picture. And I know you've, you've per Metasacker, a fantastic manager, leader, and the reference point is the vision. And Per's vision is strong young gunners. They can, and it's not about strong in the gym, it's about strong that they can cope with anything in the future. It was a wonderful vision for everyone to, to work towards. The mission is to be the most caring and challenging football academy in the world. What an inspirational mission that everyone in the club could commit to, could contribute to. So even when we're thinking of athletic development programs, is this going to make strong young gunners? Is this going to make us the most caring and challenging football academy in the world? There's the reference points at the start. Then Per had his, his four pillars. The academy had their four pillars. He was very, um, he had so many discussions with people around it, contributing to it, but most efficient movers was the, the physical pillar, but we called it most efficient movers. So the physical development program was the most efficient mover program. Uh, and he called it underneath that football fitness. And he cleverly highlighted all. So it's not just Des and his team contributing to it. It's everyone, the psychs, the, the coaches, the physios, the nutritionists. And that's true. If you're to physically develop, it's not just the sports scientist or strength conditioner or athletic development coach. It's everyone. They need the energy. They need the planning. They need to be in the right focus to do it. They need the content to do it. So I'm, it's, I, I, I'm glad you brought it up because it's important to aim for the vision, the mission, the pillars and how you do it. The values, respect, discipline, humility. I still remember them. I'm glad. And that's the sign of a, of a well-run vision, mission, objectives and values and sometimes it isn't well run but it really came to life there so that's the language we're thinking that's the emphasis we're thinking we're thinking working together so monitoring is at the start of the week and the end of the week and there's a story about that actually where the players were very clever when i turned up i said i was in the mindset of previous teams i worked with and it's monitoring readiness to train at the start every day but it should be collaborative. And I asked the players, now these are the, the, the full-time players under 18s, 19s, what would you be willing to do? Because I really want truthful answers when we ask the palms questions and true efforts when we're doing our jumps. And they said, uh, twice a week. <laughs> and I was, oh, sugar, I'd rather do more, but I want you to do it properly. So I said, yeah, if you'll do it properly, twice a week. And we did it, and you know what? They were right. I didn't need to do it in the middle. So I got a picture at the start of the week. Are they fresh and ready for the week ahead? And I got a picture at the end of the week. Did we do enough or did we do too little? How are they ready for the match the next day? Monday, there was an athletic, de athletic development session. Tuesday, there was an athletic development session. Thursday, there was an athletic development session. So now you're talking about four units of priority, three units of athletic development, two units of monitoring, that's that's a lot. And there was still one, two, three, four, five, six 
football unit. And that's a lot of development. And I will say when I arrived in, 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 in England, it was very much, yeah, we'll train in the morning. Around about two o'clock, we'll head home. And I was, ooh, no, this is academy. You're a full working day. But it wasn't my call. Uh, but it was very supportive of Lee Brady. I suggested, look, these young people need to work longer. And he's clever. And he was there, well, Des, you're going to have to talk to facilities. You're going to have to talk to the laundry. You're going to have to talk to the kit men. You're going to have to talk to the coaches. And we did that in a very uh, collaborative way. But the end was, yeah, players are in, working full days. And they need to, if they want to play in the top five leagues in Europe and be the best version of themselves. And How did that go down to start with? What, was there resistance to that from the players and from some of the staff? Yeah, yeah, it's a surprise. Change is change. Uh, the, the way I operate is three things. And I, I asked the same of the department I work with. Be mannerly. So everything was said in a very mannerly way. Be objective. Here's the reason why. And tell the truth. And that's what I did with everybody. And there might have been a rough patch for two months. And then it was just normal. And then it was the next year. We just do that. The year after. More resources were provided by the club to make it flow. Yeah, it, it got there. Players, there's a lovely letter from Hector Bellerin on the wall in the club. In the, 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 the area between the academy area and the first team. Well, everybody's uh, restaurant area. It'd be a disservice to call it a canteen. It's a lovely. And it's a letter from Hector to himself when he was 16. And on it, it says, Des will make you do extra sessions in the afternoon. Do it, be a good pro, and eventually you will be the fastest player in the first team. Now, I love reading that, but I also love showing the young people that on why they need to do the extra session. And yeah, maybe the first team aren't there in the afternoon from times. Well, they have two matches in the week. They need to perform at the highest level. You're just trying to get to that level. So you have to do extra work. So it, it, it got there, yeah. Yeah, just two months of yeah. meetings, chatting, questions, why, okay, this is different, this is tiring, getting used to it, and then just normal. The next year, yeah. the, the players, this is what happens. This is what we do. The new players, well, I didn't know anything any different. And it flows. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was good. And Hector did become the fastest player in the first team, didn't he? He did, in fairness, yeah, a wonderful, yeah, wonderful person and player, and he's very kind. He allows me share a video of him being tested on one of my first weeks there, and his time wasn't amazing, and his running technique wasn't amazing, and then I have a video of him playing against Man United, and his running technique is phenomenal because of all his hard work. And his time, phenomenal. So that, he was a great role model, is a great role model for the young players. And that helped the next wave of players and so on. And that was very interesting what you were saying about Hector and the sprinting technique. Mm. Um, is that something you do a lot of work on? Yeah. G- generally? We, we, we published the, the Arsenal way of physically developing players. Um, Shad Forsyth, Colin Noon, Gary O'Driscoll, myself, Paddy Roach, Perry Stewart all contributed to it and the approach is important so if ever i go to a sporting environment i ask what's your approach what's your philosophy and it should be crystal clear and it should be the same as everyone else is saying in that group and we had a clear philosophy 
and it was called the arrow approach now the arrow came from the doctor and we had a meeting with everyone coaches to come up with what should this be in in the first year and jez steinberg's an excellent doctor he came up with the arrow now the thought there was the club wants these players to be ready as soon as possible because there's lots of demands coming down the road with going on loan 23s first team so the arrow is about getting them ready quickly and efficiently within that arrow is functional competence so if you want to run properly you've got to have the right flexibility mobility range of motion in order to get into those powerful positions so we nail that first with corrective exercises next one is movement skills so then they've got to learn how to use that new range of motion that new extra strength in the right way and then integrated conditioning is the next part of the arrow and because arsenal is such a technical club we wanted to do most of the conditioning fitness work through the game in the majority there'd be a minority where we'd have to do it isolated um, and then periodization making sure they're not doing too much or too little and yeah so they'd have the priority session to work on it They'd have the speed session on the Tuesday, and I never mentioned the speed session on the Thursday, which is more change of direction. And then real good quality speed is developed within the game, and the awareness and game speed would be a, a common term for it. But if they can't accelerate properly, decelerate properly, change direction, back pedal, jockey, lateral movement, it's hard for them to maximize their ability. If they haven't got the mobility, stability to get into those positions to accelerate properly, it'll be hard for them to do that in a game but if we give them the tools it helps and i it's all as the players work but i like sitting back that's the i always said to people the real trophies in the academy aren't the fa cup we can't win that or the premier league it's sitting back and watching the graduates perform from the stand in the pitch and all the the people in arsenal coaches physios conditioners there's some very athletic graduates coming out of that if you look at mm. the Kayo, eddie naketia and meal and before that you had serge gnarby you had alex awobi you had hector you had ainsley uh nathan teller doing great physical actions with burnley during the season uh, there's so many and it's all the players hard work scouts did a great job finding that fantastic talent but yeah, the Arsenal have a good, good tradition of bringing through athletic players. In fairness, and it seems there's a bit of a cottage industry around sprinting. So you get in sprint coaches from athletics. There's others, um, but, but is there a specialist type of football sprinting? You can't just bring in the stuff from the track. Yeah, I'd be hesitant of bringing track coaches in with the greatest respect, where I would bring them in and where I have bring them in is CPD for the conditioners. Okay, yeah, that's good. That's straight line. Here's some extra exercises for the curriculum. But when you ask a track coach in general to do change of direction, game speed, ooh, now, now we're out of a comfort zone a bit. No, that's where the real specialists in sport, sports scientists, strength and conditioners can bring value. And even more than that, if they have a good, strong relationship with the coach, like Paddy worked brilliantly with Ken Gillard, Kwame Ampadu on, right, we've worked on this. How can we create something at the start of the session where they can express that and we can help it transfer? Mm. That's the, the key to it. The coach, 
strength conditioner working together, not some secret sauce going away, working with a track coach. No, the decision making, the reaction, the awareness. Yeah, that's important. And underlying strength helps so much. So basically everything together. So I think good practitioners should be from within the sport, within the club, working collaboratively to maximise speed. Definitely. And linked in with that, I just did an interview with Oliver Bartlett, who was head of performance at Stuttgart, and he worked with Jurgen Klopp at Dortmund as well. And he was saying a huge thing in the game now, and he sees this a lot with Man City, is explosive acceleration. So there's yes. very fast off the mark, you know, over short distances to get the ball back or move away from your opponent. Oh, yeah, that's, that's where we can help in terms of sports science, athletic development. It would be hard to reach the levels that we're seeing by just doing team training on the pitch. It would be, you'd need amazing genetics, natural talent. So for other players to get to that level, this is where this athletic development can help at the young age and the adult phase to do what we're seeing on the pitches at the moment. That extreme athleticism that being able to do it again and again and again, being able to do it at the end of the game, being able to do it an extra time, that takes a high, high training age. That takes a long-term plan of development. That could be done by just recruitment and finding those players with that natural ability. That's a way of doing it. But that's hard, and there's only so many of them, so you need to develop from within. And, yeah, what he's describing is, is so challenging to do, but if you get the right player through your talent ID scouting, you have them for a long time, you have a, a philosophy in the club of how you want to play, and you physically prepare them for that over the long term. Yeah, it's it's essential, the support of athletic development. Led by the coaches, led by the academy manager, managers, we're just one slice of the cake, I don't want to oversell it. Um, but yeah, that can help so much. And that's very, very interesting what's come across from talking to you, you know, Mikel has his game model um, and that is developed over many years really in the academy, you know, physically, tactically, technically. And I did, someone like Bukayo, would he be kind of the epitome of what you were trying to do then, would you say? He's, he's his own man. He achieved what he achieved himself. But every academy has their, their, the things they're proud of. And everybody in Arsenal is so proud of Bukayo. I've literally never seen him do anything naughty. And, and I've seen him from 12. And he's well brought up with his, his family. It takes a village to bring up a young man. So there's a lot of coaches and, and physios that have helped him in his development. But yeah, he would be a very good example of Arsenal development. Right through from Arsene Wenger, sharing the club philosophy with everyone, including Mikel, Per Jack Wilshire now is looking after the under-18s. There is a strong Arsenal approach. Mikel is leading the way now. Um, and yeah, it comes together nicely. And Bakayo is a good example of, of that flowing through. Um, many other examples where players have to go away, come back. Eddie going alone, etc. Challenging, but still coming through. Yeah, there, every player has a different journey. And I will emphasise with the leadership of Parametasacker, not all of them will make it. A large number make it in Arsenal, but his focus is strong young gunners. They can be the best version of themselves. They are prepared for whatever comes. 
in the future. And I'm still in touch with some players and there's a, a young man working in the city. There's a young man who's a personal trainer. I, I wrote a reference for another young man who's finished football and he's training to be a PE teacher. So I think that's coming true as well. Yeah, there's the Bakayo example, but I take great interest in the other players who haven't made it in professional football and they're going on good journeys, being PE teachers, Austin Littman working in the city, yeah, Elliot Wright is a personal trainer. They're, I'm, I'm equally as enjoyable to see them progress as the other players making it in pro football. And that is the vision coming to life that Per is driving. Just one more question about Bakayo, actually, because I take on board what you're saying, that it's about all of the, the youngsters. Hmm. What, what age did you start working with him? Yeah, oh yeah, he was, I have a video of him and he was under 11s. And he's doing, people slag me because he's doing ladders and hurdles. But that's good for that age for coordination. Would I have been working with him regularly each week? No, I was in a management position. Would I have taken the odd session? Yes. Who would be the people working? The likes of Paddy Roach, the likes of Perry Short, uh, coaches that are there, coaches Christian Vassallo, who's very close to Bagayo, who's who, who isn't in the club anymore. He's working private consultancy. Mm. Yeah, so many people would have helped him, but he did the work. He was diligent. He contributed to it. He always explained what he liked, what he doesn't like, um, what works for him, what doesn't work for him, especially as he got older. And that's a successful programme. It is truly holistic with him as well, isn't it? Because I remember Pear spoke at a webinar we did a couple of years ago and he got unbelievable GCSEs as well, didn't he, Bukayo? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it would have been nice to see him do a degree and a very hard degree. He was that level, but... Because he accelerated into the first team, that's hard, yeah, to keep both going. But what a, a very good example I will give. I'm going over to the club next week and there's a few players doing uh, courses with ourselves in Satanta. And one of them is Carl Hein. And there's a player in the first team. And another example of an academy graduate. He said to me, Des, I don't want to be in my downtime on the computer games, whatever they're called now, I wouldn't know. I was going to say a PlayStation. I, I want to maximise my time. And he's doing starting out on a degree in strength conditioning. But he's a first team squad member. And he does it through blended learning, on the bus, watching the lectures and the videos and so on. And I'm very impressed with his, his marks. And I'm very impressed with his diligency. And that's, yeah, that's an example, another example of graduates becoming strong young gunners. Um, and a very talented international senior player with Estonia. Uh, with a bright future ahead of Could you just tell us a bit about what you uh, do with Satanta College for, for anyone who's not heard of that organisation? After nine years in Arsenal, love it, still go back, uh, but I wanted to get back to the West of Ireland and there's not too many sports teams in the West of Ireland, but I'm very lucky that Satanta asked me to, to work with them. Uh, it's the president of Satanta is my old boss, Liam Hennessy, Dr. Liam Hennessy, who's my mentor. We enjoy working together. Uh, we try, we're trying to do education differently. We've been doing it for a long time now, and we deliver degrees, we deliver masters. It's done in a blended learning way, so you can keep working and do a degree or do a masters. We deliver in South Africa, in India, in Italy, in England, in America. Um, but also, as well as that, we try to deliver practical information develop coaches, develop scientists, 
I will say, I have to be careful, the graduates that come from universities in Ireland, in England, aren't as well prepared as they could be. They need to be able to do readiness to train, do a warm-up, develop speed, develop endurance, develop strength, periodize, program design, fitness test, and, and they're not as good as they could be. So it's a great passion of mine, education. So we want them to be ready. We want them to develop their craft, those practical um, skills that are needed. And that's what we're, we're sharing in our education. But as well as that, we want to practice what we preach. So I'm lucky that I get to work with sports organizations. We work with World Rugby, delivering their strength and conditioning education. We work with academies in Ireland, in Gaelic Games. We look after about 300 young people. We deliver something to the similar scale of academies in, in the UK, under 16 down, uh, interdisciplinary with nutrition, with sports psychology, and following a, an approach and a, a vision, mission, objective strategies in those organisations. And we support schools and clubs at the recreational level, at the participation level, and female athletes. Tipperary Camogie, Bishopstown GA Club, and we're doing some nice research in those areas. Why do young people want to stay involved? What is the maturation status in a recreational club level? We know there's a bias in the academy level, but what does it look like? And we're finding interesting things, both male and female. And you very kindly uh, agreed to speak at our webinar on June the 6th. Could you just tell people what you're going to be talking about there, please? I'll, I'll be sharing more info on physically developing players, both the person and the player, um, talking through things like bio-banded uh, development, uh, assessments and biological maturation, a curriculum for development, the levels that I discussed, what is level one, two, three, four? Uh, what is the, the approach, the philosophy? Um, how does the interdisciplinary team work well together? How does a group of people work for a clear vision mission? and values, how are they lived through it. And looking at some of the outputs in, in Arsenal, look at how we should use fitness testing results, injury audits, they should be in place, first of all, sometimes they're not in place, and how that can inform the programme and help people make a collaborative decision. So an insight into developing young people from child youth adults. Oh, that's fantastic. That, I look forward to that. And thanks so much for your time today, Des. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Training Ground Guru podcast in association with Huddle. We'll be back next month with another episode. In the meantime, you can follow our latest updates on the website and on Twitter at ground underscore guru.